Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Wednesday, January 17th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in the New York metropolitan area. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Caroline Ely. And I'm Jaya Joyce. And here's What's What near you. The MTA announced that the G train will be out of service this summer. It's the only train to connect Brooklyn and Queens. They plan to reinvest in the century-old control system that powers the G-Line. This will be part of a multi-billion dollar effort to computerize the signal system over the next year. The project to improve the signal system is especially important following two subway derailments last month. The signal system provides instructions to trains so they know when they can move and how fast they should move. This keeps the trains spaced at safe distances. No specific dates have been announced yet, but there will be a full stop of service for six weeks. New York Governor Hochul is proposing a budget that will help combat the city's ongoing migrant crisis. The plan is part of a $233 billion state budget proposal from the governor's office. Hochul plans to use $2.4 billion on migrant relief. The money will be used to provide short-term shelter services, legal assistance, health care, and emergency housing centers for asylum seekers. This comes as the influx of migrants have overwhelmed New York City's homeless shelters. Governor Hochul emphasizes that this plan is the right thing to do for the migrants, but also for the city. She says that companies won't want to do business in New York if there are thousands of people sleeping on the street. She'll be meeting with President Biden this week to discuss the migrant crisis. The deadline for solidifying the state budget is April 1st. There is nothing more New York than a bagel. That's right, Caroline, and everyone definitely has their favorite. That's why the Queen's Chamber of Commerce is holding its first-ever Best Bagel competition. Tom Greach, president and CEO of the Queen's Chamber of Commerce, says that bagels are more than just a breakfast. They're a daily dose of connection for people when they stop at their favorite spots. They're asking the public to send in their picks and vote before a winner is announced next month. The public can send nominations to the Chamber of Commerce until January 26th, and voting begins on January 29th and runs through February 7th. A winner will be announced on February 9th, which is National Bagel and Locks Day. The Great Gatsby will make its debut on Broadway this spring. The musical adaptation of the classic will star Broadway veterans like Jeremy Jordan from Smash and Hadestown's Eva Noblezada. Lead producer Chun Zhu Shin announced that the show will begin previews on Friday, March 29th at the Broadway Theater, and opening night is set for Thursday, April 25th. The lineup for New York City's Governor's Ball Music Festival has been announced, and it does not disappoint. Among the 63 performers are Post Malone, The Killers, SZA, 21 Savage, and Renee Rapp. The festival will be held at Flushing Meadows Corona Park in Queens from June 7th until June 9th. Tickets will go on sale this Thursday. You can sign up for a pre-sale code at govball.com. And speaking of music, this year's Songwriters Hall of Fame inductees have been announced. Timbaland, Hillary Lindsay, and members of REM are among the 2024 honorees. Artists only become eligible for induction 20 years after their first commercial release. Past inductees include icons like Stevie Wonder, Dolly Parton, Bruce Springsteen, and Jay-Z. This year's induction ceremony will take place right here in the Big Apple on June 13th. And on this day in 2016, David Bowie earned his first number one album on the charts one week after he died. The number one was from his album Black Star, which was his final studio album. The album won three Grammy Awards and includes hit singles like Black Star and Lazarus. 
Every month, the What's What podcast brings you Fordham Conversations. In this month's installment, WFUV's Isabel Danza sat down with Fordham professor Lori Goldkind to discuss the future of AI technology and social work. I know you've talked in the past about how um, ChatGBT and other like AI systems can really be a help to autistic and neurodivergent people. Would you mind just starting off talking a little bit about that? I think what's exciting about ChatGPT is that it sort of shine the light on how neurodivergent individual might be able to use um, large language models in a way that was um, that is kind of a, a life hack in a way. There's something really exciting about someone who struggles to communicate with neurotypical individuals having access to a resource that can be used as a foundational kind of document. And would you mind elaborating a little bit about how kind of these programs can help um, neurodivergent people communicate with neurotypical people? It's important to realize or to recognize that the academic literature hasn't really caught up with practices yet. But what is showing up um, across different ASD support groups and across different peer support groups for folks who are neurodivergent, um, people are kind of demonstrating for each other and sort of showing how to use a chat GPT like tool to do things like craft emails to neurotypical people, um, to make scripts and role play how to communicate with neurotypical people um, in a way that I think um, offers someone the ability to rehearse. That seems like a pretty positive thing that this platform can provide. Are there any drawbacks so I think there's a few drawbacks and a few um, a few cautions. So one, we know that when you sign on the terms of service agreement or the user agreement, right, when you go to set up an account for a chat GPT, um, we know that it part of that agreement is that the prompts that you type in or any um, written material that you might type into that box becomes a part of the large language model, right? So if somebody's writing an email for instance, about like negotiating for a salary with their boss and somehow names that person or the company name right in the email, that that context becomes a part of the large language model. And then the other question um, among others is that it's not always accurate. And so I think it's really important for people who are going to use these supports or use this tool as a support, that's a better way to say that, um, are really cognizant that they have to sort of check and recheck what the machine is um, offering to them as a resource. And then um, on the just on the topic of ChatGPT in general, I've seen that you've talked about how kind of this platform and other, you know, like AI systems can kind of help fill gaps in maybe a person's mental health treatment as temporary replacements for, say, a therapy session or anything like that. Could you kind of expand on that topic? So we know a few things. Um, one is that me- there's a mental health cri- crisis globally and that there's not, we can't make providers fast enough to meet the demand for services. So on one hand, the large language models have the potential for kind of filling in as a support where providers are not available. For clients who do not have a serious mental illness or require critical care, um, the the ChatGPT or our large language model can offer things like journal prompts. And so I think that the journaling capacity and component is one um, is one pathway. And then the other pathway is that 
and again, for folks who don't have a significant disorder, um, they can ask ChatGPT for therapeutic and wellness resources. And because of the data that the large language models are built on, it can it will scan text and scan exercises and articles um, and be able to offer some suggestions for what an individual, again, without like a, um, a significant diagnosis, um, can do on an interim basis. I don't think um, I don't think that large language models will replace a professional mental health provider's judgment or a professional mental health provider's relationship with a client or a consumer. But I do think it can serve as a support um, in a way that is um, that is could be really exciting. That was WFUV's Isabel Danzis talking to Dr. Lori Goldkind about ChatGBT and the opportunities it presents to social work. And that's our show for today. But check back with us tomorrow around 3 o'clock for the latest news, exclusive interviews, and feature stories from WFUV. And as always, you can find more from us at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Jaya Joyce. And I'm Caroline Ely. And that's What's What.